We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host, I'm your guide, as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, and the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and on Simul Radio. If you'd like to uh, find out about the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365, right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. And for the Exxon TV show on SimulTV, www.simultv.com. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is Colm Holland, and he spent 25 years working in sales and marketing in the publishing industry. He was a member of the Harper Columns team, which published Paul Kolho's The Alchemist in 1993. Cullum teaches the art of spiritual alchemy in business and relationships, is a highly experienced columnist, and his interviews and articles are highly entertaining, full of humor and deep insights uh, to help others find true empowerment through inner transformation. Joining me now is Cullum Holland. And Cullum, welcome back, or welcome to the Exxon, I should say. Yeah, hi Rob. Hi, Rob. Very, very pleased to join you this evening. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and how you got into be having such an interest in alchemy. Uh, yes, well, um, I did have several titles that I could have chosen for the mm-hmm. book that I wrote, the secret, the secret of the Alchemist. Um, one of them was The Accidental Alchemist, but I think somebody had already taken that, so I, I couldn't use that uh, because it kind of, I fell into it. As it were, um, through my through my my work in publishing, I was back in oh gosh, 1993 was it? Yes, uh, some people, some of your listeners probably weren't even born then, Rob. Um, but <laughs> we, uh, I was the uh, middle manager, if you like, the the, the meat in the sandwich of Harper Collins in Sydney, Australia. Wow. It was a lowly position. Um, it, I wasn't at the, sort of the height of my profession, but I did have the the uh, slightly envious job of, of discovering uh, books that were coming into the business from the various parts of the world. Yes. And my job to decide how many of these books should be uh, published in Australia. And um, it was late on a on a Friday afternoon. Some books arrived in in the mail. Uh, we didn't have the internet in those days, mm-hmm. 1993, guys. Yes, there was a world before <laughs> before the internet, believe it or not. Right. And um, these came physically in the mail, and I was sifting through them thinking, um, you know, there might be something interesting in this new bunch of manuscripts that came in. And there was this um, cover um, of, of a book. It was purple. It had a shepherd boy on it. Um it was uh, there was a figure, but didn't know what it was—an an Arabian dress figure. But on their forehead, 
that the Arabian dress figure was the all-seeing eye of God. And it was a book called The Alchemist by Paolo Kahlo. Um, and many of you have read it, many of you have heard of it, but back then, believe it, uh, Paolo Kahlo was completely unheard of unless you were Brazilian um, <laughs> and you spoke Portuguese because those, that was the only language that he'd been published in. So I broke all the rules, decided that um, I like the look of this cover, never judge a book by its cover, mm -hmm. except when it's a really good cover. Um, and I shoved it in my briefcase, went home on the weekend, looking forward to spending the weekend with the kids. And Sunday afternoon, out of the blue, it just popped into my head. Oh, you remember that book? I, oh, yeah, okay. Um, everybody's busy doing something else. I'll, I'll just grab a glass of wine. I'll sit in the backyard and I'll start to have a quick read of this and I, you know I've got half an hour to spare I'll give it a quick skim read well that plan went out the window immediately I read every single word I nourished every single word I got through to the last page of The Alchemist by Paolo Kahlo in English and I, I just knew I just had the knowing if you like that this book was going to be a global mega bestseller. What, what, what was it that gave you that impression? I mean, besides the great cover. It, to, to, to use a cliche, it, it resonated mm -hmm. at a depth within me beyond my intellect. And I was a really, listen guys, I was not into anything really around the subject of alchemy. I didn't really understand what an alchemist was. Um, if you don't know the story of the alchemist, um, I recommend it, of course. It's a, just a little fable. It's just, a, in a way, it's just an extended short story of a, of a shepherd boy in Spain who has a dream that there's some treasure hidden in, near the pyramids in North Africa, and he sells his sheep, goes to North Africa, meets various interesting characters along the way, but goes through some real trials and tribulations and fears and temptations, the main temptation being, of course, just to keep giving up, to, to not go through the pain that he's just putting himself through in his life. And eventually, I won't spoil the story for you because um, I'm going to let you um, en enjoy the ending. But that story resonated with me. This was a, not about a shepherd boy. This was about me. That's what the book did. And I know very few books that would do that instantly, simply. And if it would do it for, for a massive skeptic like me, um, who doesn't, didn't particularly believe that um, we are connected, like the alchemists believe, um, to the universe, that we're one with all things, that we're one, uh, we're all uh, connected to each other, and that there's, there are forces available to empower us, to, to live fulfilled, uh, to uh, fulfilled lives, to, to reach the, the pinnacle of our ambitions and so on and so on. But if any book was going to encourage you to do that, then this book, The Alchemist, was going to do it. So um, to finish the story very quickly, I rang my colleague in California, whose job it was I, I was reporting back to about the book. and. And I woke him up really early on, on his Monday morning. Um, I had his home number. That was a real mistake on his part to give me <laughs> his home number because I rang him. He was just got out of bed and I said, uh, he said oh, Colin, what are you doing ringing me at this time of the morning? And I said, I've got to talk to you about The Alchemist. He said, you're kidding, it's 7 a.m. Um, I haven't even had a coffee yet. So as he made his coffee, I said to him, look, you know, have you, have you read this book? He said, yeah, yeah, I've written it. I'm not in depth yet, but I've what? And I said, um, look, I want 200,000 copies for Australia. And his first remark was, you know, are you drunk? Are you crazy? Um, probably the most I'd ever ordered of any book. And we'd ordered books like A Course in Miracles by Marianne Williamson. Right. We'd ordered books by Dr. Wayne Dyer. We'd ordered books. I mean, and this, you know, Paula was unheard of. It was the first book. So I said, no, I'm I, I just know, Greg, trust me, I know. And he said, okay, okay, let me talk to everybody else. So he talked to everybody else. And they came back and, okay, we didn't quite 
print that many. Uh, well, I think we've printed that many for the whole whole globe. It since has sold over 85 million copies and counting. It's been translated into 70 languages. It held the Guinness Book of Records for the most sold single book of any living author ever, ever, and was only beaten. Your listeners have got to try and guess this. Think of another really popular book that's, okay, that's probably most of your listeners' lifetimes, um, that's also a bit about alchemy, because that's the only other book that's ever beaten The Alchemist. And, of course, yeah, you got it. The it's Bible. J.K. Oh. Rowling's Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry and Potter, my God. So two books, Rob, the two books that have made the Guinness Book of Records mm -hmm. in recent times that the most sold of a living author are both on the subject of alchemy. All right, stand by. We've got to take our first commercial break. And when we come back, more about this very interesting story with our guest this hour, Colm Holland. And we're going to be talking to Colin about the secret of the alchemist. And uh, this is coming up here on the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Now, listen, if you'd like to get a copy of this book, all you need to do is go to Amazon.com, I believe. Am I correct there? Yep, that's it. And I believe the launch date is uh, later on this year. In, uh, August. What is it? August. August 1st. August 1st, and uh, for you people in the United Kingdom, July 31st. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And you're listening to yours truly, Rob McConnell. I'll be back. Don't go away. wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. ba da ba ba, -ba. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Welcome back, everyone. Colm Holland is my special guest this hour. And uh, Colm, maybe we can start off by explaining to our listeners what alchemy is, because I always thought that alchemy was when somebody wanted to change one material to another. For example, lead to gold. Yeah. Well, you're right, Rob. It is. That is exactly what it is. But it's it's whether you wanna, you're one of these people who needs to take everything literally mm -hmm. or whether you're one of these people who can see the, the, the deeper meaning behind the metaphor. Does that make sense? It, um, it does. So lead into gold it was a metaphor that was used. Um, and trust me, there were real people called mm -hmm. alchemists that went back in time down through the centuries and the millennia, way back to three, four, five thousand years ago in Egypt. Um, that's where we think the origins of, of alchemy came from. And these were people who lived in a part of Egypt where, where the pyramids now sit. And believe it or not, the desert in that area actually contains gold dust. Mm. 
And one of the reasons the Egyptians settled in the area, not just because of the fertility of the Nile, but it was also because the desert itself was, was gold and they could extract it and produce all that gold that we find in Tutankhamun and, and those other tombs of, of the ancient pharaohs and so on. So these, who were the alchemists? Well, the alchemists were guys and, and women as well. Uh, that's one of the interesting things about alchemy. It, it wasn't just a male-dominated um, belief system. But yeah, they, they believed that they could utilize, this is the heart of alchemy, that there is a power that sits in the heart of the universe to which human beings are connected. And this is, this is vital to, to their thinking to the point that you can take one, one level of matter, uh, maybe the lowest level, which was in their mind was lead. But don't forget, you know, getting their hands on lead wouldn't have been that easy either. Mm -hmm. So this is where the metaphor kicks in. And through utilizing various you know, chemical changes, ingredients, incantations, uh, and other stuff, over time, they could transmute, as they called that, that material, into something more valuable in the case of gold. Now, there's a couple of guys um, in history who, uh, because alchemy, we nearly lost it completely. Uh, it survived up until the early Middle Ages in various parts of, the, of Europe, particularly North Africa and, and then up through Spain into, into Europe. And it, it broke up into two schools, the northern school, the, the written, the, the symbolic school, uh, the literal school of alchemy was completely jumped on by the Spanish Inquisition uh, and then later by the, by the Puritans, the Reformation movement. And as we moved from sort of superstition into science, it was killed completely, except by one guy, somebody you would never dream of a guy who sat around all day watching apples fall from trees and hitting the ground and writing down theories of gravity. So he, we're talking he, about he, Sir Isaac Newton. Yeah, you yeah. got it. So he was an alchemist. Shock, horror. No, no, he wasn't. He was a scientist. No, yes, he was. He was a scientist and he was an alchemist. And we have to thank him. We, I, I owe him a great debt because I've discovered most of what I understand about mm -hmm. him because he bothered to collect whatever books he could find back in the in the, in the uh, 18th century, uh, in the early 1700s. He collected as many books as he could find on alchemy, and they still exist. You can go and see them. They're in um, in a vault in Cambridge University, England. And um, then there was another guy who decided he wanted to study this because of his scientific research into the mind. And that was a colleague of uh, Sigmund Freud. Um, the, many of your listeners will know Professor Carl Jung. And Carl Jung, spelled J-U-N-G, not, not Jung in, in the other uh, pronunciation of the word. Um, he, was, he was studying how the mind works with, with, with Freud and then went out and broke free of Freud and developed his own thinking of psychoanalysis. And at the heart, you, this is getting spooky already, okay, this is getting really spooky. At the heart of his theory was his study of alchemy because of the works collected by Isaac Newton. So Professor Carl Jung was influenced in his development of the theory of psychology from the very work of the ancient alchemists. He even wrote books on it. So really? he's even written books on spiritual alchemy. Um, he mixed with a guy called Wolf, Wolfgang Pauli, who was a quantum physicist. I mean, these guys were not um, chaps with pointed hats on, buried deep, you know, in cobwebs, cooking up all sorts of, of horrible things in beakers, in, in test tubes, in, in laboratory. Um, and these were real intellectual thinking people and what Carl Jung discovered and what uh, has helped me enormously in my understanding of alchemy is the alchemy takes place within us. That transmutation from lead into gold is a metaphor for the transformation 
of the self, according to Carl Jung, right. from the things that we despise and we, do, we, we hate about ourselves, quite mm-hmm. possibly, the buried matter, the base matter that lives within the unconscious of, so, of all of us. So let me ask you this. What is the difference between alchemy and religion? Alchemy, first of all, is not a religion, and it's completely um, uh, it, it's completely neutral when it comes to to religion. Many many ancient alchemists uh, were of a, of a Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. Many were were from a Muslim cre- tradition uh, in, in ancient Egypt. There are even Chinese and uh, some. Um, Far Eastern, but it, but isn't but, alchemy trying to get the same message across that religions try to get to the I people? Wish. <laughs> Depends on the religion. Um, well, you know, for example, yeah. I'm I'm a Christian. I go okay. to the Anglican Church, and you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The yeah. the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, yeah. and and the rest of the positive positive word that we're taught. It seems like. As far as I know, and as far as I've heard, that you know, we're talking about changing ourselves to be better people in both, you know, Christianity as well as in alchemy. Yes, if that's the, if that's your faith, mm-hmm. Rob, then you are very close to the to an understanding of of alchemy in in your religion. Would it be safe to say then that? Alchemy is replacing some religions because of the diversity and because of the contradiction of one religion to another, that because alchemy is neutral, this is where the the fold is now going? There is a school of thought, Rob, that says because alchemy predated Mm -hmm. most modern religions as we know them, even, even ones with historic roots, that many of the origins of those religions that we, that we believe in, um, come from alchemy initially anyway. Well, what is the origin of alchemy? So the the group of philosophers and early scholars, mathematicians, um, astronomers, um, people who helped build the pyramids, people who helped um, work with, in chemistry, mm-hmm. uh, early metallurgy, and all of that, those people uh, had a collective name of, of alchemists, and they did live in Egypt. And they um, had their own religious beliefs as well. And they believed in a guy called Thoth, T-H-O-T-H, who was the, um, the deity, if you like, who was the go-between, the, the divine, the, the power that lives within all, that, that created all, that, and, and so on, call it whatever you wish, God, spirit, right. whatever. And that Thoth was the go-between between that deity and humanity. But there was something really magical that we've, we're, we're almost in danger of losing in our modern age, is that the alchemists did not believe that we were independent or separate from that deity. That that deity was only completed when we humans, homo sapiens, participated in the activity of the deity. Well, isn't that the same thing in Christianity? Depends on your version of Christianity, I believe. But yes, if that's what you believe, absolutely. So, so God, does not, God does not, in the alchemist word, God mm-hmm. or... Um, they, they actually didn't necessarily believe in, in a, a monotheistic being... Right. So they might, that might differ from, from some people's version of, of Christianity, Rob, possibly. They, they believed that there was a, a force. Star Wars uh, fans are going to love this, of course. <laughs> that they believed that there was a force. And, and I've helped in my book, The Secret of the Alchemist, to understand how they viewed that force by uh, giving it a character, by giving it a uh, naming its personality, and the name I, I give, and, and many of the ancient alchemists would agree, is that the, the force of that personality is unconditional love. And there's something quite special about that personality, because that personality accepts the human condition 
without any conditions. All right, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. And Dexter Nation, Colm Holland is our very special guest. And if you'd like to find out more about Colm or get a copy of his book, just Google his name. Google his name. Search out his name on Amazon. And uh, you'll be able to get your very own copy of his books. And uh, very interesting gentleman. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in this is your sign to thank them and if you're that friend this is us saying thank you now get a sausage McMuffin sausage biscuit sausage burrito or hash browns choose two for $2.50 enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2 price of participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer a combo meal single item at regular price Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and if you'd like to watch the fine programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon TV channel, check out SimulTV at www.simultv.com. And for the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Colm uh, Holland is our special guest for this hour. We're going to be talking to Colin in a second or two about his book, the Secret of the Alchemist. Now, it, it, it seems that alchemy is a place where people just kind of fit in because they didn't fit in anywhere else when it came to their, their, their philosophical beliefs when it came to spirituality. But that, that's probably a good way to view it in retrospect. Mm-hmm. But if, if you can just come on a little time journey with me. Sure. I'm right with if you. We go, yeah, if we go back a couple of thousand years, even predating the birth of Christianity, mm-hmm. what, we, what we've forgotten, because our history teachers have got more important things to teach us, but um, if you've got the time, it's well worth the investment as a, in your own study of history. Going back to, say, the time of Alexander the Great, uh, what you'll discover that alchemy was the thinking. This was the predominant thinking and when for example alexander the great invaded india mm-hmm. yes folks alexander the great did invade india um for trade reasons of course um he had, took with him from records that we found at least 120 intellectuals not soldiers they I mean he had thousands of soldiers with him as well but 120 intellectuals who had actually built the first library um, in Alexandria, in northern northern Egypt, on the Nile. And most of those books in that library would have been labelled with, with the thinking of alchemy at some point. So what has happened down through the, up then through the ages to where we are today, is that the, the body of the thinking of alchemy has morphed into some other philosophers, uh, thinking, particularly Greek philosophy, anybody who reads uh, Aristotle or Plato will hear what I'm saying and go, yeah, you know, that's what those guys believe as well. That's Plato was right on this stuff. Well, guess what? Plato was, was, would regard himself as an alchemist. So it's a, it, it's a, it's a whole chunk of a valuable belief, um, in the resources of the universe to empower us as human beings. And we kind of lost. Now, some, some aspects of some religions have kept it, 
But there's one critical, really critical thing that I think um, some religions have lost, is that alchemy does not require conformity to a belief system. And it also has this other habit, which I love, of being able to hide itself in plain sight. So let me just tell you a little brief story of why I came to that conclusion. Please. And it's a personal story. So like yourself, I came from a, an Episcopalian sort of Anglican background, mm -hmm. and I had been on a journey personally in that faith um, for since the age of 18, and when I met Paolo Kahlo and in his book, I was 40 years old. So I'd already trodden the path for quite a while. I, you know, I did think of myself as a, as a pilgrim of faith. Um, didn't know anything about alchemy though. And when I, when I, when we published the book, and when obviously it took off and it was a, an amazing, it, it was exactly everything I believed it was going to be. Paolo came to Australia. And in, now in Brazil, Paolo has a nickname, and the nickname is the Wizard. <laughs> and uh, any Brazilians listening, yes, you know I'm right. And he came to Australia. We gave him uh, his first uh, literary uh, event. He spoke at a literary event, a writers' uh, event in Adelaide, Australia. The queue for people to sign his book went around the block in of the of the building in Adelaide twice. And the organisers, and us, and us as well as the publisher, we had never in living history ever seen that kind of response to an author's book. We'd had some great best-selling global authors, and this was this first-time author. So I'm scratching my head at this point going, okay, so this book, this story of the shepherd boy blew me away. Now there's this queue around the block. And then he came to Sydney and he said, I want to take you, Colin, and your wife, and your publicity manager and, and her partner, and my wife's here, Christina, and we're just going to go out for a meal together. And I go, yeah, but what about, you know, the CEO of, of HarperCollins? What about the, the, the marketing director? What about all these, you know, the, the publisher, publishing director? No, no, no. Just you guys. Because I, I just want to thank you for believing in my book. You, you were the first sort of English language people to, to believe in my book the way you have. Mm -hmm. So we went out. Fabulous meal, lovely guy, um, really, really wonderful time. And he said, look, I, I, the meal was nearly finished. And he, he said, I want to thank you both for, for the effort you've put in. And he turned to my colleague, Naomi, and he pulled out. He said, look, I've asked my wife and God what I should give you. And they said I should give you this. And she opened this little box and it was a dress diamond ring. And I mean, tears just, I mean, it was, this was worth you know, a couple of thousand bucks. And she was just blown away, and we were clapping. Oh, I'm amazing, thank you, you know, she said. And then he turned to me, and I'm thinking, ooh, wow, maybe a gold Rolex would be nice. Yeah, right it would now. be nice, yeah. Yeah, I can't afford a gold Rolex. So, you know, I've got the mortgage to pay, I've got kids uh, to feed. I know so that feeling. He looked me in the eye, and he said, I've asked God what I should give you. And God told me I should spend a day doing my alchemy magic just for you, Colin, so that whatever you want will come to pass. You just need to decide what you want. Thank you, everybody. Got up. Got to get an early flight back to Brazil tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. Hugs around. Off he went, disappeared into the night. And I was left, not with a cold Rolex watch, <laughs> I was left with, I don't know what I was left with at the time. I was going, oh, okay, that was a bit weird. And then stuff started to happen. And this is where it gets spooky. Um, I was stuck, as I said right at the beginning, in middle management. I, I was very frustrated. The core feeling of what I felt, and I know there's loads of, folk out there listening to this are going to say, yes, I know what Colin's talking about. I was stuck at that point in the midlife where I thought, is this really as far as it gets, you know, as good as it gets? I've, okay, I, I love my family. I, I've been very happily married for years and years. Beautiful kids. I've done okay in my career. It was all right. You know, I wasn't at the top of it. But I had this burning desire that I just knew somewhere 
that I wasn't really fulfilling my personal destiny. Just a sense that there was more that I could be doing. And what happened with the book, The Alchemist, was that this is exactly the story of the shepherd boy who has the dream and follows the dream, faces his fear, takes the risks. And I wanted my own business. I was desperately wanting to run my own business, but I would just blocked for years from the fear that I was going to wreck my family's financial situation, that I didn't have really have the skills to pull it off. How did I how could I believe that I was capable of doing something so adventurous as that? As I went back to the alchemist and began to study the alchemist and began to want to find this secret, I believe, you know what, there's there must be something in there. Look at Paolo's success. This book's okay this alchemist book, but how did it, how, you know, how could such a simple story have such a financial impact as it went on and sold millions and millions and millions and I was going, wow, you know, I knew it was going to be a bestseller, but this is, a, this is awesome. Um, and so I, as I read that, two things happened. A couple of guys who were in, in management above me both got jobs somewhere else. They were promoted. They got much better jobs somewhere else. And and I was promoted up through the ranks um, into the places that they, they had. And uh, that happened really quickly afterwards. And then one day I just knew, I don't know where it came. I just had the courage to go and do this business that I wanted to do on my own. And two years later, I, I mean, I took the plunge. I risked my entire family's financial situation. And I... Um, I formed and ran uh, one of the largest uh, digital agencies in Australia. We had 85 staff. Uh, we were managing projects like the Sydney 2000 Olympics with Toyota Australia, uh, Telstra, which is the big telecom in Australia, mm -hmm. and so on and so on. Uh, mega clients. And we made a ton of money. I mean, it, we, we were very successful. And... Um, I remember going into the bathroom one day and I just stared myself in the mirror and I just looked myself in the eye and I said, what, how did you get to this position? You, one, if you had to put a pin in your timeline in Facebook, what, when would you name the date? Facebook wasn't invented by that. All right, we're going to have to have a bit of a cliffhanger here. We'll find out when that moment was when we return. Uh, and this is our final segment, so please stand by, everyone. One more segment with our guest this hour, Colm Holland, and we're going to be talking to Colin more about alchemy and his book, The Secret of the Alchemist. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and Colin and I will be back on the other side of this break. Whatever you do, do not, remember, do not go... wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. ba da ba ba, -ba. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.
Exonation, our guest this hour is Colm Holland, and I must tell you that I this is I've, an hour I have thoroughly enjoyed. It is an hour that, for many of you, are probably sitting at home and saying, wow, he's going to tell us what the secret is. Well, it's not a secret. We all know it. It's people like Colm who bring it to the forefront and opened our eyes. And, and when you hear it, you say, that's it. The alchemy is in you. Colm, in this instance, is the alchemist who is changing your life because he is opening your eyes and saying, you know what? You can do it because of this. I believe in perseverance, Colm. There have been many yes. times when I've started projects, my wife, my staff, my partners said, you're nuts. And there's been time limits that they've put on, and I said, I'm not going to stop yet. Oh, come on, Rob. Enough is enough. No. And I prove them wrong all the time because I believe in perseverance. But I also know that a lot of people that you and I both meet on a daily basis are afraid to take chances, are afraid to listen to that little voice inside of them. Yes. Where does fear play in the world of alchemy? So let's go back to the concept in alchemy of transmutation, which okay. Carl Jung called transformation. The, the power to make a change does come from within, in my experience, mm -hmm. but very often the self, the true self that is able to dream and act on those dreams has been buried has been pushed down, and ironically, that true self is often despised because the true self carries weakness within it. So if you, if you go into the, the, the thoughts and the teachings of Carl Jung, what you discover is there is this child, the, the inner child of, of, that Carl Jung talks about. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't actually call it that, but we are, we are the product of all that has happened to us in our lifetime, but also we inherit the lifetimes of others because, just because of the genes. Sure, and we can and use this very simple analogy. It's our programming. Our programming, but also sometimes are the events that mm -hmm. happen. So many of us grow up being abused. Many of us grow up being wounded. Many of us grow up being bullied. Um, many people, you know, have very difficult living situations, starvation, war, famine, yeah. stuff. And my heart goes out daily to, to everyone who is, is suffering right now. But that those children growing up become the adults who are us. And we have a choice at some point in our life. We have a choice. We can either live out mm -hmm. the pain and those wounds and let them diminish us and let them control us. But yeah, because... What I discovered on my journey was that there, there was this um, inner column who was would have this nasty habit when just when I was trying to get positive and make things happen, I was just beginning to believe that, yeah, maybe I could do this dream. I could fulfill it. I could do this thing. He would just come crashing in out of the blue, like, you know, a dragon breathing fire and go, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> and would project that failure, would project that, that fear of failure, that project those that weakness onto others. And so I became a bit of a liability to other people. And I just didn't like this this person. I just made the decision one day when I was quite young. So this predates alchemy, my, my introduction to alchemy. I, I went on, on the, the, the journey to the dark night of the soul. So I followed the teachings of Thomas Merton I, I went to the place that most of us just spend all our adult life avoiding. And I invited, I did know love. I did know that there was a force who loved me unconditionally, thank goodness. And I invited that love to heal those places in me. So when, and he did, he did, she did. It did. It did, love did. And I... Um, carried that that treasure within me so but i still had that fear of failing that real block of faith and, and the problem with the fear of failing it's got it's two sides of a coin on one side of the coin and carl Jung talks about this this is what um 
he so eloquently um, describes in, in, you know, in his theory that we are, our personality is stamped with a, like an archetype. Our arch- we, we, are, we behave in certain ways as if we have no control over them. Uh, we're living out various roles in life and, and there are patterns to these and he called them archetypes, um, not in the pop sense, but in the true sense of an archetype. And that quite often is what stops us and blocks us. And it's one of those archetypes is full of fear. And the way I managed to, in the end, was it was, as I said just before the break, that pinpoint in my Facebook timeline, if there had been a Facebook at the time, was that meeting with Paolo. He was able to go in his psyche into the universe and was able to pull on the power of unconditional love and psychically remove those things in my psyche that were standing in the way that I needed, just needed somebody else to give me that nudge. So somewhere he knew I'd done the work. He'd spoken to God. God had said, this is what Colin needs. You do the work. And that's the role of the alchemist. And guess what, folks? We can all do that for one another if we are prepared to be open to unconditional love, whether that's through our religious faith, doesn't matter what faith it is, whether it's through uh, our atheism, that doesn't matter either. If we don't believe in a monotheistic God, that's fine, because that's got nothing to do with alchemy. Alchemy is about something completely universal, but doesn't rely on belief. And so in my book, The Secret of the Alchemist, I take you through the journey that I've been on and through my lifetime. The alchemists call that journey, by the way, the great work. And I hate to say this, but it is work. There is some caring and loving and nurturing work that you are going to need to do to yourself in order for you to be able to offer that to others. We can only give, am I right, Rob, from a place of plenty. That's right. That is so, so true. I'm, in for, I'm up for plenty. You want to give me? I'll take it. If it's love, mm-hmm. I'll take it every moment. Um, if it's uh, the help that Paolo gave me when doing whatever is psychic magic, whatever it was, I'll take it. Because if it means I end up living a life of my full potential, if it means that I'm living a life where I can unconditionally love other people and bring about change and benefit to the world around me, I'll sign up for that every day. And if it means I have to go and do some work, yeah, I'll, I'll do the work. And there are so many examples, I'm sure of all of us can instantly think of people in the world today, shining examples mm-hmm. of alchemists. They may not even call them, no, identify themselves of that, but you can see how they've gone from you know meager beginnings and believed and and faced the you know I'm just thinking sometimes I often think of Oprah Winfrey for example yeah. who faced that terrible sexual abuse that she suffered as a but, child. But but is isn't it possible that it has nothing to do with alchemy at all? That it all has the it's because of your own self-realization, whether it's talking to somebody who inspires you, or even if it's the placebo effect, but. As, as I see it, we all have it in us. Yes. It's, nothing, it's nothing magical. It's nothing miraculous. We all have it in us. And um, we just need to be... I, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Don't want to cut off that. But um, I have adopted the, the thought of it as magical and miraculous because for me, life, because of my following the framework, and, and alchemy is just a metaphor, so alchemy is just another way to view life's journey. And one of the things that I've come out of by using alchemy as a, as, a, as a lens through which to view my own progress and my own potential is that it life is miraculous. Life can be magical. And I every day... I just wake up now, and can you imagine this, everybody? I wake up every day and say, what, what magical thing is going to happen to me, with me? Mm. What magic can I create today? What miracle can, can I see manifested from my own, my own being? And I, 
and I had some tough times. I, I'm telling you, there was I had the cards stacked against me. Um, as a child, I was locked in a cupboard on a regular basis. For example, I was a real Harry Potter. Wow. I know that's the that's where there's the crossover. With hey, the story. listen, listen, Colin. I hate to do this, but we've run out of time for tonight. I want to yeah. thank you so much for joining us. And Exo Nation, yeah. if you would like to find out more about Colin, or if you'd like to get a copy of his book, it's going to be available on Amazon.com. Once again, our guest has been Colm Holland. Wow. I, I don't know, Exonation. I am one to believe that we all have the answers within. There's nothing magical about it, in my opinion. There's, nothing, there's no miracles. It's just looking at that man in the mirror or that woman in the mirror and being honest. Don't be fearful. I agree with Colm when he says that fear plays a, a role in, in success or failure. He may not have used it that way, but that's the way I, I see it. The difference between a dream and reality is just doing it. The dream is your idea, your aspiration, where you want to go. And reality is the result. It's how you got there that brings us all to the point of success that we want to be in. And remember this, my friends. You cannot have success without failure because failure is... Failure is the lesson that we all learn to be successful with. I'll be back on the other side of this break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.